Hi, this is Ned Siegfried from Siegfried & Jensen. As proud sponsors of BeliefCast, we hope you are inspired by Todd's weekly podcasts, which contain so many courageous stories of recovery and personal growth. Remember, it's not what happened in the past that matters, it's what happens in the future. We invite you all to work hard and be optimistic about your future. Enjoy today's podcast. Here we are again, people. Thank you for joining us. This is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Inspires Belief Cast. Thank you for tuning in. I love you guys. Your support's been fantastic. And I'd also like to give a shout out to our sponsors, um, Siegfried and Jensen, Wasatch Recovery, Veracity Networks, and iHill Institute. You guys have amazing organizations and you're pushing out this message. And I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for you guys supporting this. So thank you. And, and i also like to thank our previous guests. I've had some amazing people on this show and the stories just blow my mind. And I, I'm, I'm the most blessed because I get to sit in front of them face to face typically. And today's going to be no different. Today we're joined by Amy Chandler. Amy, thanks for joining us. Oh, happy to be here. Thanks yeah. for the invite. Yeah. Amy is an amazing person. Uh, I've got to know her over the last month and a half or so. And uh, we're doing some things together, which maybe we can touch base on later on. But let me give you a little background on Amy. Uh, she's an entrepreneur at heart with a varying interest in helping people become active, an active agent in their story. She is the founder of a nonprofit, My Story Matters, and the CEO of My Hero Journey, a character education and empowerment curriculum company. And I can't wait to talk more about this. I, you know, we're, we're speaking the same language. We're both passionate about story, and, and I can't wait to talk more about that. Uh, your greatest passion is people, which I love. And first and foremost, her family, whom she loves engaging life with. Uh, she is married to her rock star husband and has the privilege of raising four beautiful children that keeps her really busy. Um, Amy understands her mission is to empower people with the tools and resources they need to write their own story. And guys, you, you, I can't wait for you guys to understand what she does here. Every family needs this, every kid. If we can do this with our children at a young age, help them write their story, um, it's, it, it will change their lives for sure. And you know, she's, she's famous for saying, you're never too young or too old to decide. You will be the hero of your story and you can use that story to bless all within your influence. And so we're gonna talk a lot about that kind of stuff. So Amy, thank you Love for it. being here. Wow. So it's my privilege. <laughs> so why don't we start, Amy? Tell us, you know, tell our listeners, you know, where did you grow up? And tell us a little bit about how your childhood was. Yeah, I, I grew up in a small town in Idaho, Shelly, Idaho, okay. uh, potato capital of the world, <laughs> right? I yeah. kind of fit the, I fit the mold, um, potato farmer's daughter. Um, <laughs> I grew up on the farm. We did uh, potatoes and hay and wheat and barley and, um, lots of farm work <laughs> in yeah, there. So wow. grew up in, in that world and um, learned a lot about life and hard work and all of those things. And um, I had a pretty good childhood. I had a great family, great community, yeah. uh, small little town, right? You know everyone, you know everything you feel yeah. like. And yeah. um, really en enjoyed a lot of that. And I was active in a lot of things as a kid too. I had a lot of opportunity. So I really was really athletic. Um, back, I was going to play college volleyball. That was my dream, you know, in third, sure. fourth grade, yeah. they tell you, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? Uh, college volleyball player. Really? You That's already what knew I was that at do. that age. <laughs> I, I just, I had it all figured out and I, I did <laughs> dance lessons and piano yeah. lessons and I, and I played basketball and softball and, and volleyball. And I just, I loved all things sports and that was just the trajectory of where I was headed. So I thought, and, um, and then I got to fifth grade and I ended up suffering an injury that, change the trajectory of all of that. And yeah. So. Well, thanks for sharing that. And uh, sounds like you had a great childhood. And, um, you know, I've had other friends that I've grown up with who grew up on farms and they always had to be up early. They had to work hard, that kind of thing. And so I'm sure, that, you know, you learned, you know, the value of hard work. And But obviously you just mentioned something happened in uh, fifth grade. Yeah. Tell us what happened and kind of how that changed the course of your life. Yeah, I was I was playing basketball in an intramural lunchtime, you know, mm -hmm. fifth grade recess yeah. event, right? And I was, they passed the ball and I was the guard. I was headed down to midcourt and about halfway there, I took a step with my right foot and had excruciating pain and mm. just collapsed. And um, technology and, and medicine isn't what it was. We won't say how many years ago. And um, <laughs> right. 
it was misdiagnosed and mistreated for a long mm. time. It created a lot of additional damage. And so what what would have maybe today been a lot more simple wasn't then. And there weren't a lot of answers. And so in the end, we figured out, but it took about nine months to really accurately figure out what happened. But I ripped the, the arch out of my right foot, snapped all the muscles and tendons, ligaments I mean, in just half. just the sound of that makes me... So they thought I sprained my ankle. And so they put me in an air cast and told me to be careful. And it just got worse and worse and worse. And then once we finally figured out that I had basically sliced the bottom of my foot in half, essentially, they created some orthopedics. But um, back in the day where you like molded the foot and mail it off and they send you something back (laughs) and they overcorrected. But I didn't know that. Right. They said this is going to be a really painful transition for you. And so I just assumed the pain was part of the process. Yeah. Walked on it like that for a really long time. It got worse and worse and worse and worse till I couldn't walk anymore. And so anyway, it took about nine months to figure out what was happening in my body. And I it just it changed everything. It took three years of physical therapy and learning how to function and move with the body again. And lots of miracles, lots of things. I'm sure a lot of prayers for my parents because it would have been hard to navigate that. Well, man, that had to have been very difficult, especially as a fifth grader. I mean, that's a young, you're young, you don't know, you know, you don't know how life's always supposed to be good. And all of a sudden you're dealing with this very difficult thing. What was your mental state like back then? Like, did you ever feel like sad or depressed or? Oh, did, all of it, it. Yeah. I, I really struggled there for a while. You, you try to be positive, but I was in a lot of pain. I was in a lot of pain. And I mean, our school was getting a brand or our community was getting a brand new school, middle school. Mm-hmm. So I was going to be the first sixth grade class to yeah. go to this middle school. We were all excited. <laughs> you know, it was the big hype. Yeah. And I showed up and I couldn't walk from class to class. There wasn't enough. I was, I could barely move. And so I would have to leave my class early to then get late to the next class to get across the school or whatever. Cause I couldn't, I mean, I was just shuffling. I couldn't lift my legs. I could oh, shuffle man. them. Wow. And so I, middle school is awkward for everyone, isn't it? Like middle Absolutely. school is just complicated. I've heard, I've heard it described as a minefield. You're trying to not step on the mines. Yeah. Know? I mean, hormones <laughs> are coming. Nobody knows what they're doing. Right. Everybody's trying to figure this out. For and sure. so yeah. it was awkward anyway, but then I couldn't, I couldn't hang with my peers. I couldn't go bowling with them. I couldn't yeah. go run with them. I couldn't, you know, and, and the sports and the dance that I had loved was all on pause because I couldn't, you know, walk, let alone do any of those things. And so I felt like an outcast. I felt like, like if this is what life is moving forward, I don't know that I want that. Yeah. You know, I, and, and so I definitely, I mean, it was a big mind game for a while. No one had any answers, specialist after specialist. And, um, and you felt like a burden. I, you know, yeah. I, I was the oldest. So my parents had, you know, three younger children that were little. And I felt like I was constantly like, can you help me walk up the stairs? Can you carry yeah. this for me? Can you? And I felt like I, I felt like a burden, even though they were trying so hard to get me answers, you know. So I think it was a big mind game. I can imagine. Did it, did, was there lingering effects too? So, you, you know, you finally gets better. Mm-hmm. I mean, after a long time. Did but mentally, how were you after that? Was it still were you still struggling with you know just that mental state, or or did that almost like open up like hey, I'm finally there and I'm good and I can move forward? I remember a shift for me was I was with a friend of mine. We were coming out of a craft fair at a high school, mm. and she said, "I'll race you to the car." And I said, <laughs> "I, you know, I can't run." And she said, "I think you can." And so. Oh, wow. And I said, I, I can't run. And she said, try. And we started to run. And my, I mean, this would be hilarious on video now. Good thing there isn't social media, right? Like, <laughs> but I literally could pick my feet up so that it was a running motion. And I just collapsed and started sobbing because for the oh, first time, man. that was the first time I remember being able to pick my feet up like that again. And I thought, oh, it's coming, you know, but it was yeah. slow. Right. Sure. And I, I was struggling. So we made it through sixth and seventh grade like that. And at the beginning of eighth grade, a friend of mine said, how about you try out for the volleyball team? And, you know, I had that dream of college volleyball player. And there was a piece of me that was like, I'm not good enough. Can't do that anymore. I I can barely walk. Right. And I tried out and I made it. I made the volleyball team. I still to this day don't know why, because we had an incredible team (laughs) full of amazing talent. And I was like hobbling along and they would sub me in to serve. Mm. 
and you could do that but that that's not part of the the high school game these days but you right. could have you a could server that. that could sub in like that so i would serve i had a killer serve i could land that <laughs> ball anywhere because i'd do like 200 serves a day i couldn't right. keep up with the ball i couldn't dash i couldn't run i couldn't do those things yet and that boosted my self-esteem a lot like i bet I'm, i can yeah. get back i can get back and then i tried out in eighth grade for the or ninth grade the next year and i got cut on day one Mm. And I took a huge mental plummet of yeah. I won't ever be back. Wow. And that was, it took me a while to pull out of that. Yeah. Well, and again, when we're young kids, we don't know how to handle that kind of news. Right. And it's, it's a, it's a, tr- it's tr- uh, you think me. it's the end of the world. Yeah. You think it's the end. It's a traumatic event. And you're thinking, you know, n- you know, we only think a day ahead when we're that age. We don't think, you know, Hey, it's going to get better. It's, everything's going to be okay. But it's just like, that's your world, you know? Wow. Well, looking back on it now, I mean, obviously here we are. What were some of the biggest lessons you learned going through that difficult challenge? Not only being injured, but also still even, you know, you get cut. Other things are obviously going on, just Mm -hmm. going through school in general. But what were some of the biggest lessons you learned through that in your childhood? Um, I learned how to show up for people Mm. in the hard because people showed up for me. Right. Like I people would come in unique ways with unique gifts instead of perfect packages at times. It was like, this is what I have to give. And I learned ah, just just having company, something that was I couldn't go out and hang out with my friends. But when people would come over and watch a movie with me or when they would come over and just talk to me. Yeah, it meant the world to me or people who would come and drive me places and include me. It made me pay more attention to individuals. And I. Wow. I couldn't verbalize a lot of what I was feeling. I was pretty, ter- I was pretty closed off during that yeah. time. There was a lot going on mentally. And so I've learned it's okay just to sit with people. People were willing to just sit with me even, even yeah. if I wouldn't talk. Right. Even if I was ornery or whatever, yeah. even if I had a bad attitude, you know, they <laughs> wouldn't um, judge me for that. They still came. Right. And yeah. we it. all have those seasons of our life. So I learned a lot about how to show up for people. Um, I also learned that, you have to find what you can do. Mm. There was so much I couldn't do and I wanted to focus on that. And often I did. Right. And I got to the point where I was like, what is something I can do? Cause you can always do something. Right. So I really had to like, this is what I can focus on today. Yeah. This is what I can do tomorrow. Right. And, or in this moment, even sometimes it's moment to moment, like this is all I can do right now. So I learned a lot about that. And then I learned to um, adapt and be flexible because what happened after I got cut my ninth grade year, I went into a deep depression, like the whole world's ending. Yeah. It really is over. I'll never be back. There's nothing else I have to offer the world. You know, you can yeah. think of like a 15 year old self, right? Sure, yeah. <laughs> Spiral at 14 year old at that time. And I had a youth leader at the time who showed up and said, we're going to club week. And you're going to look at every booth and figure out where you're needed instead. Mm. And I was like, I'm not going. Right. And she said, yes, you are. <laughs> and she put me in her car and she drove me over there and we went booth to booth to booth. And I had the worst attitude. I I was not open-minded. Mm-hmm. You know, there is nothing more if there is not volleyball. And, <laughs> right. um, and then I stopped by a booth and I was kind of interested in the yearbook for like half a second. And mm. then the principal called me in and said, faculty would like you to be the yearbook editor. And I said, no, it's not for me. And he's like, I want you to go home and think about it. And I agreed to do that. And knowing what I do now, that was, I learned how to publish. I learned the publishing industry and I became, I was the yearbook editor for the next five years straight. And I joined, Jostens was our publisher at the time. I joined the Jostens Youth Council. I traveled all over the nation, helping people figure out how to tell their school story and to make their yearbooks and it was on the edge this will date me this was on the <laughs> edge okay. of, of digital publishing my senior year we did it on a computer <laughs> but the other years it was done by hand so all those little images you have right. on your little toolbox and you're yeah. like what is that little square that little crop thing mean i used a physical cropper for four years so wow. i know what that means you know and how it, it functions yeah. right <laughs> and so um it taught i was on the cusp edge and so they gave me all of my um computer credits my senior year for reading the digital publishing magazines to put out the first yearbook digitally oh, really and so i read that first manual and memorized all the hotkeys and all the shortcuts and they're still valid today it's so helpful wow. <laughs> they all still work and um and little did i know the seed that that would plant yeah 
in me for yeah. what would be coming years and years and years down the road. Wow. So choosing this. not to say the world's over and having yeah. someone that pulled me up and said, where else are you needed? And being willing to try something completely new. For sure. Completely new has literally changed the trajectory of what I'm doing. Man, that is amazing. Thanks for sharing that. A couple of things that really stood out to me. You know, you're talking about you learn to show up. Well, you had that youth leader come to you. They showed up for you. I'm taking you to this thing. I want you to see what resonates with you. And then the, the principal, who's the principal, showing up saying the faculty. So there's other faculty members that showed up saying, hey, we want her yeah. doing this. You know, and you were still skeptical, like, oh, I don't know Absolutely. if I want to do this. Think about it. I mean, th- it's amazing the influence of people like that in our lives chokes me up. Mm-hmm. But the other principle that I want to point out, I want to hear your thoughts on this, and I, I, I share this a lot, is life happens for us. And I think about already in your story, these things that you went through. Like you said, you, you never know where, where it's going to lead when you're going through it, but Obviously, it was happening for you in a way that maybe at the time you didn't notice. What do you think of that? I think there are things that happen for us. I think there's a lot of things that happen to us, and we can choose to find purpose in them. Gotcha. Right? I think that... That's very well said. um, We can go through a lot of pain and not understand what it was for, or we can choose to find the purpose in it and what we can do with it, right? And so would I choose that again? Do I think that it was divine (laughs) intervention that my arch snapped in my foot? I don't believe that. But I believe that I was given a path to do something with that moving forward. Love it. Very well said. Much better than I'm saying it, right? No, no. (laughs) I love it. Oh. Yeah, but I do I do believe that I that you know we go through these things that lead us to doing things you look back and go I think it was Steve Jobs that said you can't connect the dots looking forward you can only connect them looking back. Absolutely. So you look back and you go okay that led to this this led to that. You know, but again when you're going through it you don't necessarily see the dots where it's going to lead you so. Absolutely. But what a what a what a great story on that part. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So um as you're doing this and you're starting to, you know, you're enjoying what you're doing, you're learning all these amazing things with this new kind of passion in your mm-hmm. life. What did that open up for you and, and kind of take it from there? Um, yeah, I learned a lot of messy leadership lessons <laughs> uh, as I was that yearbook mm-hmm. editor because they typically that's kind of a coveted senior position. Right. Okay. And so they brought me in as a freshman as the editor and um that didn't sit well with everyone involved and, and held that space for a long time. It put me, I, Oh man, I learned so many leadership lessons over that high school experience. And, and yet it gave me the opportunity to do something different since we were, we were being different by nature. um, I wanted to do something different. And I, I really rocked the boat in, in that field in that the yearbook used to be kind of like a, photo book of the popular crowd it really i mean if you go back that's kind of the tradition right and i dug my heels in the sand and said this is a book for all to the extent (laughs) those that if anybody listens to this that was a part of this mess i took turned the wall of the yearbook room into this giant chart every single student's name was put on the chart and we could not use another picture of them until every box, everybody had been used once. And then we could put a second picture in of them. And we couldn't put a third picture in until the entire student body was used twice. Oh, wow. And That's we awesome. tracked every photo. This was all pre-technology. <laughs> we didn't have computers, as yeah. I told you. Oh, my So goodness. this was all by hand. But we made sure that every student was represented. And if they weren't in there, it was by choice. And they had to sign something saying that that was their choice, right? And so... We, that shifted things because what I wanted them to know is that this school is made up of every single human here and we aren't a school without all of us. And I really felt strongly about that. And that's what I ended up going kind of nationally and speaking about and and whatnot was because it's important that everyone feels valued. You know, they would talk about like, no one's buying the yearbooks. And I thought, well, are they in it? Yeah. Does it represent, does it represent their high school? You know, and that's a silly little thing, a high school yearbook, but we tried to make an impact with that little thing. And what that did is I started to hear people's stories. I'd sit down with someone and say, you know, how do you want to be represented in our yearbook? And they would tell me what they wanted to be known for. Right. Instead of coming and saying, I'm going to take your picture and I'm going to use it over here. I started to sit with the one. I started to find those who 
weren't in the photos yet and why not and where do you want to be represented and i started to learn about people wow i mean to have that awareness at that age is pretty impressive as well i, mean, to I be think it goes back to like sitting on the sidelines mm. for a long long time yeah wow yeah because i mean you're right i mean most of your books you know i think back it's, it's all about the popular stuff what's funny i, I gotta tell a little side note yes. i so i'm in my yearbook a lot and come to find out, and I found this out from another person that the girl that was the photo that took the pictures had a crush on me. <laughs> awesome. I'm like, oh. I'm like, why am I in this a lot? I'm like, you know, because I'm just this dude, you know. And anyway, it's pretty funny. But I just I, I got to kick it out when you were saying that. I'm like, oh, I get what you're saying. Um, so, you know, anything else you'd like to share before we get into what you're doing now? Like, is there any other things that uh, was you know maybe trans? transforming for you as you were growing up i think that's a good summary <laughs> yeah no that's great no I, it's it's amazing i love that story so we mentioned uh in the beginning that uh you are the founder of a nonprofit, my story matters and the ceo of my hero journey will you tell us what that's about and why you're doing this and what's what's the mission of it and all that fun stuff yeah, so kind of the short summary, we've been doing this for about 12 years, and okay. the the foundation is called My Story Matters, and um, it started at a season in my life that came out of uh, <laughs> adversity once again, right? So yes. I, I, had a, I had a medical journey that was kind of in that phase of life where I had 17 surgeries in seven years, oh, and... Um, and then in amongst that was also a bunch of miscarriages and all of our children are here with the gift of in vitro. And so that whole journey, all of that sums up and I'm about six months outside of my last surgery and my last child that was born. And Man. I felt this, I was really feeling overwhelmed hmm. and uh, we had five kids or four kids under the age of five. Oh man. Like everybody's in diaper. Like, do you know what I mean? Like it was yeah. just one of those seasons of life where, and I was not healthy. I was still trying to recover from all these surgeries. Oh man. And I went to God saying, I am so overwhelmed. I, I so overwhelmed and inadequate is basically what I said. And w the impression I had was start a nonprofit. Hmm. That was not the answer I went to God for. I'll yeah, you were looking for that one. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't understand how this helps any of the I just brought to you, right? right? Yeah. So it was a wrestle. <laughs> it was a wrestle for months of what mm. do you mean? And I was led to the name. I was led to my story matters. And I thought, well, what is that that we're supposed to do and share? Yeah. And so we began, I thought, okay, I'll do one story a month. That's what I said. I'll do one a month. And I think God was just chuckling and laughing at that <laughs> like, because nice he, he knew yeah. kind of where we were headed maybe more than I did. But um, I started slowly inviting other people to join my board of directors and it grew. And we started out interviewing children with terminal cancer and we would interview them and um, gather their photos and write their final story, the legacy wow. they wanted to leave. And so I sat in a lot of hospital rooms. I sat with a lot of families Um telling those stories that's where we began and it was just a few a year in in between the littles that I was raising right and and then um the reality of that population was that many of them would pass away before we would have the opportunity to get the story told yeah and so we kind of started an angel series. we had our fighter series for the cancer we started an angel series where okay. we sat with families who have lost a child mm. and that grew and so um, it was no longer just cancer. It was if you had lost a child, you we would lost, sit with yeah. you and wow. we would help that child's legacy be published and, and carried on forever. And so that we did that for a number of years. And then we started a champion series. We wanted to find people who had been through something very difficult, very hard and reach down and say, I see you and mm. I want to give voice to your story. Yeah. And so we started going into homeless shelters, refugee camps, um, Oh, and inner city gang units, those kinds of things are mm -hmm. some of the places that we went and we would photograph them, treat them like a VIP for the day. Is yeah, what we would right. say. Yeah. We'd take 15 pictures of them because those populations don't have photographs. So we would take pictures of them yeah. and then we would interview them and we'd capture their story. And it, the story that we interview is not, it's not a biography. It's not who are you and what have you done? It's, mm -hmm. it's who are you yeah. and what do you want to become? And we would help them claim something for their future. And wow. we just listened to thousands of stories. We did, we did a thousand homeless stories, um, a little over a thousand. And then we got a grant to do a thousand refugee stories in Salt Lake City. 
And I thought, how in the world are we going to find these kids? Because yeah, it was all right. it was all youth focused at the time. Uh-huh. And we ended up in the school system because that was the way to get interpreters. It was the way to get yeah. them during the day and in that population. And we started doing that. And the teacher started saying, I need this for everyone in my class, not just for that. I'm like, I know we just got this special grant. So we went out and found more funding. We started doing the whole class. We started doing the whole school. And then they would say, will you come to an assembly before? Will you come teach some stuff in the class before you come? And it kind of just morphed into this. And yeah. we were doing one school a month. I'd take 150 volunteers in for a day. And we'd do just power out the whole thing. Wow. It was insane. <laughs> that and is insane. We were doing one a month. And then we ended up with 400 schools on the waiting list. And I Man. thought, we're not going to get to the people. Yeah. I don't know how to do this. So I, we paused and said, how do we get this to more people? And the answer was a curriculum. And so that's when we pu- we pulled back and we wrote the My Hero Journey curriculum for schools. So teachers can now teach this. We built an online book builder. Kids can go in the computer lab and build their own books and publish them and have them shipped to the school. And so the curriculum is K through 12. There's a K through 2 unit, a third and fourth, fifth and sixth, the junior high and high school. Wow. And it's the same principles of helping them understand. It's hero themed. Sure. So the kids love that, right? Oh, yeah. It's all he- the thematics help. And yeah. we talk to them about being the hero of their own story and that they already have all the superpowers they need to succeed. They just need to learn what they are, mm. how to use them, and when to reach for them. Yeah. And so that's the whole premise of the empowerment curriculum we teach is that you are the hero of your story. Are you ready to step into that role? You're writing your story today. And we teach them those principles so they can claim whatever future they're excited about. Right. Wow. And so that was kind of the birthplace of, of that curriculum. That's what my hero journey is. And schools are using that. And, and we've created a home edition that families can do at home with their kids if that's easier or, you yeah. know, more applicable to your scenario. But that was kind of where that started. And then, as you know, it's yes. morphed yet again. And yeah. so at the beginning of this year, <laughs> um, we wrote a brand new trauma informed adult model mm-hmm. that is was specifically created for the incarceration space. Yes. And so my days now are spent in jail and prison and sitting down with those individuals and empowering them to claim the second chance that they want and helping them see they are perfectly capable of whatever changes ahead. Right. And so that's where we're doing a lot of work in that space right now. We've just finished a teen and an adult trauma-informed model for non-incarcerated for anybody else out there. Wow. That's amazing, man. I got a million questions I want to ask you around all this. I mean, obviously, you've interviewed thousands and thousands of people. You mentioned something about it's it's their way to leave a legacy. Um, I heard it once, and tell me if you agree with this. The only way to truly leave a legacy is to write your story down. Is that is that accurate? I think there's power in that. There is power when we actually write. Yeah. And when we, you know, when we put pen to paper, I'm, I'm big on that. That's yeah. a big soapbox of mine. And so <laughs> that's a huge piece of what we do. And, and I think it is, you know, you can, we tell people hero is not a badge that someone's going to give you when you've died. Mm-hmm. And, hero is a decision you make today and hero decisions start today yeah and it's not i think it's the difference between a dream and a vision vision comes with intention and intention requires action Mm -hmm. and we can dream and wish all day long and how many things have we dreamed and wished and put no action behind right and so um i think you can leave um inspiration or you can leave a story behind but if you want to leave a legacy it comes with intention i love that so Maybe share a few things that maybe that uh, that you've experienced in the prisons. I mean, I know, I mean, I'm sure you've experienced a lot there. I mean, that's got to be qu- quite rewarding sitting here with someone who thinks maybe, you know, my life's over. I'm broken and damaged. Look what I've done. Or, or you know, the list goes on. How Explain kind of like what that's like and, and be able to help someone see that they actually can make a difference. I say it's the best job I've had so far. I I love everything I do and I could do all of them, but I love being in a space where there are few people who are showing up with belief and with hope Mm. in that way. Right. And we start out by helping them shift their mindset of who are you? Right. We ask them, who are you? And they can list off, oh man, thief, addict, manipulator. (laughs) I mean, that is what comes out of their mouth, right? They make this huge list of everything they are. And then I challenge them and I say, is that who you are? Oh yeah. That's who I am. 
and I'll say, okay, so give me, give me one of them. And a simple one that's there every time, everyone thief. Right. And I'll say, okay, so did you ever go to the grocery store and purchase food? Well, of course I did. Yeah. Did you ever go to the gas station and put gas in your car? Of course I did. Yeah. Therefore you are not a thief. Because right. a thief would behave that way at all times and all places. Exactly. So you have stole some things. Right. Maybe a lot of things. I don't know. Yeah. But you are not a thief. So who are you? Mm. And for the first time in many of these people's lives, I mean, they'll tell you no one's ever, ever told me that's not who I am. Right. right? Yeah. And I'll say, no, that's not who you are. So who are you again? And we have to dig kind of deep. We have to get down and figure out who are you if it's not all the things you've done. Yeah. And it's separating the label from the soul. And that's one of my favorite things. I mean, the shift that happens in that moment, there is like this spark of what? And I can look at them and say, you are 100% capable of any change you want. Yeah. Any change. And they say, really? Yeah. But I've done da, 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 or it's been so long, or I don't even remember how to behave. That's fine. Starts today. Transition starts today. Let's, Let's get in and figure it out. You know, we were doing stuff earlier today, you and I, Amy, and you said something that really just hit my heart really strong. You said, I see amazing. And just when you said that, I don't, you know, and I don't know if that was directed towards what you do in the prison or whatever, but when you said that, I mean, that's really what you're saying to these, these people in prison. I see amazing. You just need to see it now. I'm going to try and help you get there, but you need to be able to see that. You know, it, it's huge because I have some dear friends, Raj and Liz, you can go find them on social. Um, <laughs> they wrote a song for me called I, I see amazing. They didn't write mm-hmm. it for me, but they wrote it. And I said, I need that song. Um, and it just talks about, I see amazing. I see the truth. And so I, with, with the inmates, I have them close their eyes and listen to the song. Mm. And there isn't a dry eye wow. in the room. There just isn't. Yeah. And, and they, I did. I had that gentleman who opened his eyes and said, do you really see yeah. amazing? And I said, I, I see amazing. And I can't wait for you to see it too. Yeah. Wow. Right. And it, it just heavy. sparked something in them. Like, why, who are you? And why are you here? And why are, mm-hmm. is that really inside of me? Right. <laughs> and all I'm doing is just sparking the idea to remind them of who they really are. That's yeah. where we begin. Right? right. And we've got a lot to unpack and we have sure. a lot of change. Right. There's a lot of hard Mm-hmm. You know, our motto is choose your hard because it's hard <laughs> yeah. living the lifestyle you've had. It's hard being in jail in this moment. Right. Yeah. Right. And it is hard doing the new and it's hard finding a new community and it's hard making new choices. Choose your hard. Which one leads to your growth? <laughs> yeah. Which one's headed towards the vision yeah. you're going to create with us. Right. Yeah. And so. Wow. Anyway. That's amazing. Thanks for sharing that. Um, you know, I think that a lot of people think that changing is going to be very difficult. What's. What's one of the most common things that you see that hold people back the most in your, you know, in doing all these interviews and stories and stuff? What's the one thing that seems to be holding people back the most? A lack of vision. Mm. We limit our beliefs. We limit what we think is possible. And if, if we have not intentionally designed and created a vision of where we're going and why, Mm-hmm. to a level that it invokes emotion within us, we will make the wrong decisions along the path. Yeah. We will, when the, when the hard choices show up, when, when you've got to dig for the grit, yeah. you won't do it if the vision isn't strong enough. Yeah. And I don't think we take enough time to define that vision. Mm. We can put a dream out there, right? but we don't put a vision out there that is so, so locked and solid that it carries us through whatever is ahead. Wow. Cause there is hard ahead. It will always be there. Yeah. Always, always, always. Right. And we have to have a vision that will carry us through all wow. of that. I love that. You know, it's kind of like what you're saying is I've heard the saying, you know, how can you hit a target you don't have? Absolutely. Right. So if I say hit that target, well, what target? Yeah. You don't have one. You don't have it written down. You don't have the vision as you're talking about. Vision is like, we got to see it. Right. I love that. With all the senses. Yeah, with everything, right? We've got to feel it, right? It's got to be deep. And we have to be willing to not limit ourselves. Sometimes we think, well, I'm only worthy of a vision that is equal to this. Yeah. Right? And we have to be willing to take 
all shatter all the ceilings out there and say if anything in the world was possible yeah this is what i really want yeah and then be willing to believe that that is what's possible wow that's so amazing i think i heard it once that humans are the only life form that will settle for less you know we'll we will choose to to not you know expand like you're saying we can accomplish anything it's amazing if we'll just have that vision i love how you say you got to feel it right i think olympic olympic athletes do that when they're visualizing doing their event they can feel the wind on their face they can hear the roar of the crowd they can to the point where they really actually think that they're doing it right Mm -hmm. oh that's what i'm hearing you say absolutely you have to get to that level if you want it to be a reality yeah wow um now when you're doing these um you know, you see these little kids creating their stories and, you know, you're talking about their superpowers and to be able to, mm-hmm. um, how's that? I mean, what is, what's one of the things that you notice the most? What do these kids grasp on the most when they're doing this, you know, this project of creating their story? Well, it depends on their age, right? The, the younger ones, I mean, they're just like, yes, I am like, let's go. Yeah. They're so excited. I love it when they're, when they're younger, our, our uh, elementary program has a full music program and they can sing and dance and perform it. And <laughs> they're just like, yeah. I am amazing, yeah, you know, and they sure. just own that and they love it. And I love that they, it's, they, they realize that they're capable of yeah. like creating, which I think is that spark you're, you're in there. And when, the teens cap, how do I even like summarize that? When the teens really catch hold of the fact that I have more control than I realize. We think we, we think I can't do that. Nobody will let me do that. I don't have any control of that. And when you say, no, you're in control of so much. And when they'll realize I can do this, this, and this, and it will impact all these other things. And they realize that there's something they can do. Um, I think that is, is really powerful. Um, and I love watching when that shifts. We, we interviewed a young lady, um, I don't know, probably about 2016 in Cottonwood High School. And Mm -hmm. she was pretty reserved in her interview and her story was, we knew there was more. We knew there was more. We came back the next year and she came to help as an interpreter. Mm. And she pulled me aside at the end of the event and she said, Will you tell my story again? I'm really ready. And I said, mm. not till you tell me what you did with your book first. Right. <laughs> and she grabbed my hand and we're, we start running. She's like pulling me through Cottonwood High School to the <laughs> library. She had donated her book to the high school library because she wanted other kids to come in wow. and learn about what it was like to come from her culture. Her mom had to come to the school library to check out her daughter's book to be able to read her daughter's book. Right. That's, we got her, we got her mom awesome. a copy after that. <laughs> And I said, what shifted for you? And she said, I had no idea the power of sharing my story. Mm. Once I published it, it's opened up all these doors. And now I want to share the real story. Wow. And it's when that light bulb goes on that I'm like, oh, you got it. Yeah. You got it, right? Yeah. Well, you know, you you mentioned and I mentioned it in your bio that your greatest passion is people. You know, explain that. I haven't found an individual yet that I can't relate to on some level. And Mm -hmm. I learn so much from people. And I think we're hardwired for connection. I believe that to my soul. Sure. And we heal through that. We inspire through that. Uh, We're not meant to do this alone. I think sometimes we in the name of self-sufficiency, you know, I can do it by myself. We forget we're not supposed to do everything right. alone. Yeah. And so I, mm, I that. like to create a space for people to shine and to, I mean, they inspire me and I hope that I can offer something to them too. And I just, I, I could just sit with people all day long. I have traveled the world. I've been very blessed. I've been to all 50 States, been to 14 countries I've been all over the world and I you know what I've taken a picture of the Eiffel Tower but the people of France that I fell in yeah. love with I like to break bread sit in their home ask yeah. them the questions that is what I love about the globe I really don't care you know I 
do I admit that I spent two hours and I covered the whole Louvre? So I like, I, that's not my thing. I can right. appreciate the talents and gifts of others. Don't get me wrong. Sure. But I want to sit with the people. I want to go to the park bench. And I yeah. want to hear about what it's like to live in France. And I want to learn about their culture. And yeah. I just, people are what drive me. Wow. Well, I've noticed that, you know, from, from the time I've known you, um, I'm learning a ton from you. You're one of the smartest people I've ever met. I'm not kidding Very you. Kind. I really mean that. Like, you really are brilliant in so many ways. You know so much, but I think because you, I think it all stems from the passion. You have so much passion for helping other people that you've you've paid a price to learn and to grow and to listen and and to connect. Like you said, like we're hardwired to connect with people, and I, I see that in you. It's pretty. It's pretty amazing. Well, thank you. Yeah. So I'm gonna. Here's a, here's a question for you. Who are you? I, I love this question because I ask all these, I ask everyone else. Right? I know it's, so, it's our turn to ask you. Yeah. Now. <laughs> um, I am a creator. I love to create and I believe anything is possible. Um, I, I'm more than a dreamer. I, I say I'm, I am a creator because I, I know that anything is possible. Um, I, I am compassionate. Um, I am kind. Um, I try every day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't yeah. get it right. <laughs> I'm a doer. I also tell people I'm a doer. For sure. Um, I, I'm a roll up the sleeves and yeah. do it with you. And I will probably get it wrong, but I'll be trying. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not yeah. afraid to, to try and to learn. And I have people ask me that all the time. Like, are you so scared to go into the prison? You know, and, and, yeah. and or how did you just go to the homeless shelter and start talking to people? Right, how can yeah. you do that? Right. And, um, I just get curious. I don't have any answers. I don't have all the solutions. I don't go there expecting that. Right. Um, I, that was a side tangent to who no, am I, but that's great. I, you know, I, I yeah. don't go in with any expectations or, or mm -hmm. pretensions there. It's just, hi, I'm yeah. Amy. And well, who are you? <laughs> and what makes you tick? Right. Yeah. And I, a friend of mine taught me a question that I think is so powerful because you used to ask people, how are you today? You know, or whatever. Right. And fine good Fine. whatever yeah and i had a friend that asked me one day how's your heart and i couldn't say fine to that You're like, and i from that day forward that is what i ask people how's gonna, your heart I'm because they'll tell that. me they'll say heavy or stressed or joyful or whatever but every human when i say that pauses like i can't say like my heart yeah you're like what <laughs> And I love it because that right there breaks down all the walls. And yeah. then I get to like meet wow. a conversation. I, yeah. I am not a surface person. If you haven't yeah. figured that out, <laughs> I don't, no, I don't talk not. about the weather if you're going to hang you out with me no. and it's, and it's yeah. genuine. Yeah, like I really sure. want to know how your heart is. Yeah. And so I am someone who genuinely, genuinely cares. That is wow. I'm going to steal too. that from you. I'm going to start asking steal everyone of my, my clients. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that cool? How we just. We learn from people. You know, I, I'm sitting here and I don't know how to explain this in words, but like listening to how like you talk and things you've learned, I've also learned, but I mean, I might say it a different way. And I, and I can honestly say, and I hope people don't think this is strange, but I, I mean, it was, it's been like revelation for me. Like it's been, you know, mm -hmm. I think it's from God, you know, your higher power, whatever you guys want to call it. Absolutely. But it's just interesting. There were you're you we're on so many parallels, you and I. I, I mean I, I'm not kidding you. And Absolutely. I'm over here just going, How do I tell her this? Because I there's it, it goes in such depth I don't even know how to explain it, but it's so cool at the same time. I hope that makes somewhat some kind of sense what I'm saying. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we've talked. I was like, we we got the same vibe here, yeah. right? Like we're in the same work. <clears throat> we we have the same passion and we, you love people too. Yeah, I do. And it really shows do. and it radiates from yeah. you as well. Well, I think that's why you and I connect so well. And I'm so grateful to be rubbing shoulders with you. We got some great things that are coming that maybe we can't announce yet. But yeah. you and I are going to be doing some things together, which I am so excited. And I feel very, very blessed that you're a part of it. <clears throat> well, the, the feeling's mutual. I, from the day we first <laughs> met, get too. get emotional about it. No, from the, I, I just thought. I found someone who believes in people and cares yeah. about people at a level that yeah. I do. And, um, the work you do is needed. Yeah. It's so needed. You know, I work in an industry and I, I want to share this. I know this is about you, but I got it that I, I'm going against the grain and I catch a lot of flack for it because of the industry I'm in. And it's been hard at times. I have felt alone at times and, 
you're a breath of fresh air. It was like mm-hmm. kind of the same feeling like, oh, wow, here is someone that totally gets where I'm going or where I've been going. And she's been doing this on in her life too. It's just yeah. interesting how now we're now we're connecting together. And I just think it's no accident mm-hmm. that we're doing this together. I, I don't believe there's coincidence at all. Yeah. And and when you're trying to lead out and do things different than have ever been done, which is my this entire journey. Uh, yeah. you know, right. I, I've I've I fought against the norms but this entire time. Yeah myself and you know i have the drawers of hate mail that have been sent in and i have the angry people and i and i have fought those battles and yeah it it can be a lonely road yeah right it can be a lonely road at times and so um i i feel the same way i'm like oh there is truth here there There is is. truth and and the results speak for themselves and i think at the end of the day it's about the people yeah wow well, you definitely you're definitely that person that makes everyone in the room feel needed and wanted, and you really do try to get to know people. And I watch that just even just in our own small interactions that we've had, and it's awesome. I love watching it. It's really oh. cool. Well, I'm just gonna be a fly on the wall with all you're teaching the world. Your <laughs> listeners already know your goodness, oh, and well. they've been impacted by that. And so I'm 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 catch I'm binging I'm binging the <laughs> podcast and catching up to all the goodness. Oh, thank you so much. You know, if, if people want to reach out to you, Amy, and they want to know more about your foundation, more about uh, My Hero Journey, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, you can go to um, mystorymatters.org, okay. and you could certainly do a contact form or something there. Amy at mystorymatters.org okay. is how you can get to me directly, and we're happy to share any or all of what you need. So. Awesome. Now, um, I like to end with a question like this. You know, if there's someone who's listening to your voice right now, they're, they've tuned into this and they're struggling. I mean, and their narrative is negative and they just think, you know, they're in a dark place. What, what advice could you give them right now? I know you've shared a lot of great things, but hitting that one person right now, what would you tell them? One of the things I've learned through this whole journey of telling all of these stories is I really feel like we have two narratives that we latch on to, mm. a war story and a champion story. Mm. And when we give voice and energy to our war story, it consumes us. But when we give voice and energy to our champion story, it transforms us. Ooh. And I think we can we can pull labels like we just talked about, or we can we can say this is who I am, or like you know I I have this, and we almost to a fault wear it as a badge of honor. Yeah. And we will allow our actions and our thoughts to sit in that rather than to to take on our champion story. And what I mean by the champion story is where you can look at the hard you're in. You can look at what the difficulties and the realities are and choose something different and say, because I've done that, Mm -hmm. because I understand that, because I can be empathetic in that space, Mm -hmm. I will now do this for these people. Right? You may not... I've chosen to be homeless, but because you've been in a homeless shelter, you now have a skill set you did not have before, and you have a empathy for a group of people you've never seen before. So where in the world is that skill set and that empathy needed to help you find purpose in the pain in which you've lived? So if you're in a place of pain right now, take a minute and identify what skills have you learned in that place of Mm -hmm. pain. Yeah. And what group of people have you come to interact with and know and understand that you didn't understand before? And then take a good look at this world and say, who needs me? Because someone needs you. You have a skill set and an empathy package right now that you didn't have before. And who in the world will be better because you've done that? And if we can find purpose in the pain, we can move from being consumed by that, what I call the war story, we can become empowered with our champion story. Ooh, chills. Seriously, that that is so well said. I, I man, I need to re-listen to that over and over and over. We all do. And I we need get to trapped sh- in our war stories. Con- and I want to share it with the people here because it's all about war stories. <laughs> it <laughs> is. And we and we we allow ourselves to stay trapped. You say all the time to shift the narrative, right? Yeah. Like the stories you tell in your head. Like yeah. And we replay that. And when we put the energy there, we allow it to recreate. We allow it to 
to hold us hostage. Yeah. Even when we've made physical actions, if we haven't made the mental actions to say, I'm choosing yeah. growth, I'm choosing transformation, I will acknowledge, I'm not going to ignore the realities and I'm not going to um, hide from the realities, but I'm going to own them because that is now a part of me and it's actually going to become my greatest strength. Just watch out. Wow. Right? Man. Anyway. I love that. I what, get fired up about that. I know. I can tell. <laughs> I can feel it. I, I can feel it here. And I, I know our listeners can feel it as well. Um, and this is why I love Amy. And, and she's amazing, guys. Please check out her stuff. You know, as you were saying that, um, I believe when I'm thinking about your whole story, adversity is the wake-up call to your greatness. Oh, right. And, and you think about everything you've been through. It's, it was the wake-up call to the, what you're doing to this very day. And you're really good at it, again, because you can understand. You have that empathy you were talking about. And, man, that's just what I feel. It's It was the wake-up call to the greatness that you right now. It's so cool. Mm. That's a quotable <laughs> quote. Put that one on your wall, yeah, right? Yeah, i got to put that and over here. And the thing here. is, is yeah. that's what's awesome is every person listening today, every person on this planet has adversity. Yeah. So look at it as your wake-up call. Yeah. Why are you going, what can you do with that to find purpose in yeah. that journey you've had to go, whether you chose yeah. it or not? Yeah. I love it. Yeah. One last time. What's, what's the email they should reach out to? Um, Amy, A-M-Y at my story matters with an S dot org. Dot org. Great. Everybody, please reach out to Amy. Tell her thanks. Give her, ask her a question. Check out her, um, her program for not only maybe for your local school, but even for your individual family like you are talking about. You do it for families as well, which is really cool. So please reach out to her. Thanks for tuning in, guys. I told you this was going to be another amazing belief cast. I, I get to sit here in person, which uh, I just I'm so blessed to be in this position. And But I love you guys for tuning in week after week. If you have someone right now in your life that you know that's just struggling and you just, you know, you're not sure how to reach out to them or what to say to them, give them a link to this podcast, this belief cast, and tell them to listen to it. And then maybe follow back up with them and ask them, what what takeaways did you take from what Amy said? And I promise you they're going to, it's going to make a difference. So please do that. Love you guys again, Amy. Thanks for your time and keep doing all you're doing. God bless you. And, and, you know, I hope the doors just keep it opening up with all the great things you're doing. Keep shifting things. Keep fighting. Keep going. Keep doing everything you're doing. And I just feel privileged. I got an hour with Todd. So that was fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Amy. Okay, guys, until next time.